Well, we're continuing our uh, message series, The Scarlet Thread, this morning. And in this series, we've been looking at passages of Scripture uh, throughout the Bible that answer the question, why did Jesus have to die? As you read through Scripture, you find that there are many passages that are just kind of hard to understand. And, you know, you ask questions like, why is there... Uh, so much talk about blood, uh, what are, what's the deal with all these animal sacrifices. And then there are stories that are just kind of foreign to us in general and difficult to understand the background to those. And we're going to look at one of those this morning. Now, uh, you were given a blue book when you came in or in your bulletin. If this is your first time here or you haven't been here in the last couple of weeks, um, there's no test to take place today, don't worry uh, about that. Uh, this is just a, a way to give you more space uh, to take notes. This series is a little deeper. We're looking at some theological themes, and so I want you to have plenty of space to uh, take notes. Now, the theme for the topic that we're talking about today is um, covenant. When we think about this question, why did Jesus have to die? One of the reasons is that God is a God who makes covenants with us. And because of the covenant that he's made with us through Jesus Christ, uh, he has guaranteed it, he's sealed it with the blood of his son. We can know that God will not go back on the promises that he's made to us to repair his world and to repair the brokenness that we've talked about the last couple of weeks when we've looked at worldview. Uh, what's gone wrong with the world? How are we going to fix it? Uh, the fix is Jesus Christ, and we can be sure of that because God is a covenant-making God. And because covenant is so central to answering this question, I want to look at that a little more closely this morning. We're going to look at the definition for covenant, which is an agreement to establish a binding relationship where there was none, through the giving of promises and faithfulness to solemn vows. So for those of you who are writing frantically, uh, it's an agreement to establish a binding relationship where there was none through the giving of promises and faithfulness to solemn vows. Now there are two types of covenants. Um, one type of covenant is a covenant that's established between two equal parties. And that's a bilateral covenant. Uh, it's a bilateral covenant. is a covenant between equal parties. So like a marriage would be a bilateral covenant, right? You've got two equal parties. They're entering into this agreement together, consenting to the same promises together. And then the second type of covenant is a unilateral covenant. And the unilateral covenant is a covenant between unequal parties. So that would be the type of covenant that we have with God. Um, the baptismal covenant is a unilateral covenant. And in a unilateral covenant, the stronger party, and in this case, uh, God, sets forth the promises and the blessings that are ours uh, through that relationship with him but he also sets the conditions and responsibilities that the other party is obligated to keep. We don't get to choose what our part of the agreement will be. That's God's prerogative. Now, the covenants that we see in the Bible follow a very common um, pattern 
that was common to the ancient world uh, all the way back before Abraham's time. And at that time, if a king conquered a nation, came in and took the nation over, he would they would enter into a covenant, a treaty, and there would be certain specific essential elements that made up these covenants. And you see those same elements in the covenants that God makes with his people. So we're going to look at uh, some of the essential elements, elements that we find in Scripture for a covenant. A covenant is made up of promises. There are privileges that go with the covenant. But there are also responsibilities along with rewards and stipulations or conditions. These are all parts of a covenant. Now, I was trying to think of a way to uh, make this a little more clear to illustrate. I wonder, Steve, would you enter into a balloon covenant with me? If I give you this balloon, and if you'll watch over that for, for me for not an hour, but during the service today, if you return it to me intact, I'll give you a dollar for watching my balloon. All right? And, and if I refuse to give you the dollar, you get to keep the balloon. Okay? All right. So we have a covenant, a balloon covenant. Uh, now let's look again at, the, uh, at our covenant. There's promises, right? I promise if he'll watch over my balloon, I'll give him a dollar if he returns it intact. There's privileges. He gets to enjoy that balloon for the next 20 minutes or so. Responsibilities. He has to take care of it. And rewards. The dollar. There are stipulations and conditions, right? If, he, if I don't give him the dollar, he can keep the balloon. If he doesn't give it back to me intact, I get to keep my dollar. All right? So there's the covenant. Now, to enter into a covenant in the ancient world... Uh, was much more serious than this. Uh, the Hebrews didn't actually talk about it in terms of making a covenant. They talked about it in terms of cutting a covenant. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture today that kind of explains that a little uh, better and gives us a picture of what it looks like when they would do that and the importance that God placed on his promises in the Old Testament covenants. Uh, to do that, we're going to read a passage of Scripture from Genesis 15. And this is a covenant that God made with Abraham. And just prior to this, he has promised Abraham the land of Canaan. Abraham has come there. He's just a foreigner. He doesn't own any property. But God's promising him that land. He's going to give him the whole uh, land of Canaan. And so Abraham uh, is uncertain. He wants to know, how can I know that you're going to keep this promise to me? So God cuts a covenant with him. And we're going to read that in uh, Genesis 15. It says, But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all of these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, 
and a thick, dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, where the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I give this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. All right, so a little more mysterious and uh, different than the balloon covenant. God has made a covenant with Abraham. And it's kind of complicated, isn't it? It's a little bit hard to understand these images because we don't understand the background of it. So I made a video to explain it. I actually uh, made this several years ago when I was pastoring at Comstock. We read through the whole Bible together in a year, and I preached through the Bible in a, in a year. And so this was a video I made to explain this uh, scripture when we were going through the Bible. And it I went out to a cow pasture to, to make this video, which was a great illustration. Uh, but there was an irrigation system there, so there, you have to kind of ignore the noise of that in the background. But I think that it will help us to grasp a really kind of hard-to-understand concept. Let's, let's watch. Oops. Now, as you're reading through Scripture uh, over the coming year, you're going to come across some Scriptures that just leave you wondering, what in the world is that about? Uh, it's strange, it's weird, I don't get it. This is one of those kinds of scriptures. I mean, it's alien to anything that we have to deal with. When I think about uh, having to cut a cow in half, a uh, pretty large animal, I wouldn't know whether to cut it in half this way or to cut it in half this way. And if I ever did get through that with all of my cookies, then I'd still have the she-goat and the ram to deal with. And then I'd have to go out and catch myself a turtle dove and a pigeon and wring their little necks. It's all pretty gruesome. And I know you're thinking, boy, this is gory. Well, that was the point of the whole covenant. It's called a cutting covenant. In verse 18, it says that God made a covenant with Abraham. That's the English translation. In the Hebrew, it actually reads, God cut a covenant with Abraham. In Abraham's day, uh, they didn't have cords and lawyers and white church, you know, they had, they made covenants with each other. And what they would do is they would literally cut an animal in half, and they would lay the pieces opposite of each other, and then together they would take a covenant walk between the pieces. And what it symbolized, what it meant was that if I do not keep the covenant that I'm making with you today, if I'm not faithful to what I say, then may it be with me as it was with these animals. If I don't do as I said I would do, then may I have the kind of ending, the gruesome ending that these animals had. So it's very serious business. And if anyone violated a kept covenant in Abraham's day, it wasn't uh, like they would just tear it up and say, oh, well, there were serious consequences. And 
had, uh, there was usually bloodshed. So what we have here is a description of a cutting covenant, a covenant between God and Abraham. Now, who is it that takes the covenant walk in the scripture? God does. In verse 17, it says, As the sun went down, it became dark. Abraham saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. God was the one who walked between the pieces. God was the only one who passed between the halves. And it says, it's as if God was saying to Abraham, you can trust me to keep my promises to you. I'm making a covenant with you. And if either of us break the covenant, then I'll suffer the penalty. I'll pay the price. Okay. So as we're thinking about this question in the series, why did Jesus have to die? One of the reasons is that God is a covenant-making God. We have a covenant with God. God makes covenant throughout Scripture, and most often they're blood covenants. He takes his promises very seriously. In chapter 17 of Genesis, God makes another covenant with Abraham. He, um, and as is true of all the covenants that he makes, uh, he, has, he makes promises. And he promises Abraham a son. He promises him the land. He promises that through him, uh, the nations will be blessed. And the sign of that covenant was circumcision. Uh, it was a blood covenant. Then 400 years later, uh, after his descendants were in slavery, like God had said they would be, God brings them out across the Red Sea, parts the waters. And then we read in Exodus 20 about the giving of the Ten Commandments. And God makes a covenant with these people. He's going to take them to be his own people, and at that time, there's a sacrifice made. The blood is poured into a bowl, and Moses dips uh, branches of hyssop in the blood, and he sprinkles it on the people. It was a blood covenant. God made covenant with them uh, through animal sacrifices. So when we're thinking about this question, why does Jesus have to die, um, the scriptures on covenant that we find in the Bible show that God is a covenant-making God. This is um, one of the reasons that Jesus had to die. The shedding of blood shows both the seriousness of the covenant and the surety that the promises made will be kept. Both the seriousness and the surety of it. When God makes a covenant, he makes promises, and he gives his assurances that he will keep his word. And if the covenant that God made between humans and himself gets broken, if it's not honored, there's a price that has to be paid. Who will pay it? There's blood that has to be shed. Who will shed it? Somebody is going to be broken. Whose body will be broken? And we come to the New Testament and we read in Luke 22:20. 20, after supper, Jesus took another cup of wine and said, This wine is the token of God's new covenant to save you, an agreement sealed with the blood I will pour out for you. An agreement sealed with the blood that I will pour out for you. 
We can know that God will never go back on his covenant promises because he has backed them with the life and the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. We never have to wonder if we can trust God to do what he says that he will do for two reasons. One, scripture says that God cannot lie. And the second is that he has sealed the covenant that he's made with us with the blood of his son, Jesus. And like the covenant that God made with Abraham, God shows the seriousness of the covenant that he has made with us through the shedding of blood. He wants us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, just as he gave Abraham proof positive that he would keep his word to him, God wants us to know that he will do everything that he promised to do for us. So what are the promises that we can count on God to keep, that we can trust God to do? Well, in the Old Testament, The promises that God made to the Israelites and to his people at that time were mostly physical, right? He promised them land. He promised Abraham descendants as numerous as the stars. He promised to make uh, them a nation that blesses other nations. And when God brought his people out of Egypt, he promised them land. He promised to protect them from their enemies and to prosper them with crops and to bless them in physical and material ways. Uh, Of course, there were conditions and responsibilities, too, right? If they didn't keep his laws, then they would be sent off into exile. The new covenant that we have is a very different emphasis. The promises in the Old Testament were focused on this world and physical blessings in this life, land and greeneries overflowing with grain and sheep pens full of sheep. When we look at the new covenant, God makes promises to us, but they're of a different kind. What God promised the Israelites in an earthly way, he promises to us in a spiritual way. And here's a couple of examples. Uh, Hebrews 10:15 through 18. This is the new covenant. I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts so they will understand them. I will write them on their minds so they will obey them. Then he adds, I'll never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Uh, He promises to make us able to keep his commandments by writing them on our hearts and on our minds. Um, And he promises to never again remember our sins. Those are the promises of this new covenant. covenant. Then another one that we're all very familiar with, most of us have memorized. It says, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes him in him, that's the condition or the stipulation, will not perish but have eternal life. That's the promise and the reward. Now, here's the thing that we need to understand about God's covenant. Uh, most of the promises in, new, in our new covenant are spiritual promises. We aren't promised a deed to a piece of property, right? Our promised land is heaven. Um, our new spiritual life is an eternal life. And our fruit that we that God promises us isn't, you know, granaries full of uh, grain or grapes or whatever. Our fruit is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith. But we didn't get the law on stone tablets. We got them written on our hearts and the Holy Spirit to help us to keep them. Uh, they got sheep and goats. We got the good shepherd. Right? They got our earthly king. We got the king of kings and the Lord of lords. What a great covenant we have. 
Our covenant is a spiritual covenant, sealed with Christ's blood. And that means that God is not going to ever, 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 ever go back on his promises. Jesus already paid the price for all the times that we fall short. When we don't get hold up our end, when we fall short, his blood has been poured out as an assurance that God will not go back on his promises. But we have to understand that God's purpose in entering into a covenant with us, uh, his primary goal of the new covenant is to create a people set apart for himself. Uh, he wants to put things back the way they were before the fall, and he longs for a people who will love him and live for him. Uh, God is concerned about these two things. The first is salvation of our souls, the fixing of what went wrong with the fall so that we can have life and new hearts and transformed lives right now. He, he doesn't want to leave us where we are. He wants to transform our hearts and our lives. Does God want to bless you? Yes, he does. Does God want to do wonders and miracles in your life? Yes, ask him to. But remember that God is most concerned about who you are becoming. What he's doing inside of you matters most. So keep believing God for miracles. Give him every opportunity to, through your faith to perform the one that you're seeking. Ask him to move mountains because God is a God who can move mountains. But remember that God is most interested in transforming and there's so much freedom in that. We can ask with confidence that God is either going to do that external thing or he's going to do something in us or both. Our memory verse this week comes from the book of Psalms. Let's read it together. Psalm 145, 13. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. Psalm 145, 13. Somebody needs to memorize that this week. He is trustworthy and he is faithful. We can know that God can be trusted to keep his covenant because he has sealed it with the blood of his precious son, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you. We praise you and